Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So, if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people, just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So let's get started. We're in the book of Ecclesiastes today. And officially, we'll be um, looking at uh, chapter 9, verse 10, going down to chapter 10, verse 10. And, you know, um, as we get started, I just wanted to share some of the impact that this book is beginning to take on me. Um, You know, we've been... Looking at this book is King Solomon's way to try to look at all the different ways you can you can have wisdom uh, without God, you know, and everything, of course, points to God. So this whole book is a way to point to God um, for a man's perspective without him, you know. So this it's 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 a book that illustrates the hollowness of everyday life without God, everyday thinking without God. And so, I don't know, I didn't really plan on it, but I was beginning to sort of think of man's everyday wisdom in my everyday life and looking at it and just saying, wow, that thinking really does lead to nowhere. And as we've been studying Solomon's great experiment with leaning on science and the laws of nature, wisdom, philosophy, uh, living for all pleasure, living for materialism like the here and now, or having this fatalism like whatever's going to be is just going to be, or egotism like living just for yourself, or the living just for religion for itself, or living for as much wealth as you can accumulate, or just trying to live a moral good life. You know, from all of these perspectives, these are all different types of wisdom somebody can have, you know, and they all sound so good. They all sound so reasonable. And so I just found myself yesterday during the course of the day, whenever a problem would come up or a situation would come up, I would sort of think, wow, you know, I can certainly deal with it. Like my first, my first um, reaction a lot of times would be just what sounds right, and you know you you almost have to catch yourself or watch yourself go through the day to to really appreciate what I was trying to appreciate yesterday. As you go through the day, it's amazing to me how many instant reactions or how many natural reactions you can have that just are basic reactions based on the human experience. Like if you're in a group of people or they're bringing a problem to you and you kind of react a certain way, well, you're reacting sort of the way that they're expecting you to react and everybody sort of conditions each other to what a proper behavior is. And that proper behavior is sort of based on an implied wisdom of society. You know, society sort of tells you how to act because the people you hang around are acting a certain way and everybody acts a certain way. And it's sort of like that implied wisdom that comes from society or uh, a group think or a group, you know, people call it peer pressure or group think, 
You know, whatever the group thinks is the right way to act, that's what you're acting like. Now, you may act a certain way, which is appropriate, and that's good. But isn't it's amazing to me if you if you watch yourself as you as you behave in front of people, how much of those actions are actually conditioned by the group back to you as to what's the proper way to act? It's interesting, like when you raise children, they look the ch- the children look to the parents as the proper way to act. But then once the children go off to school, they start their behavior starts changing because they they have this sense that the proper way to act or their humor changes because of the peers around them. Okay, and then the kids go off to college, and then they grow in a different way because they they look at the proper way to act. Um, is coming from the wisdom around them. And then the the kids will go off then to the workplace, and then they sort of understand a new way of acting, a new proper way to act, you know, and that's coming from people around them at their job, okay? And then maybe once they're leaving the workplace, they... They're on the. They're off with their buddies, or they're off with their. You know, they 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 act maybe a whole different way once they're on vacation, or or on the weekends, or out of the workplace, because then they're around a different group of people that sort of feel like the proper way to act, or their their morality is sort of in a, in a different mindset. And I was just thinking yesterday. Look at all the different. Things in different situations that impact our behavior with this implied um, right and wrong, implied wisdom, implied morality, implied um, uh, sense of uh, value. Whatever value system and you have comes from this group's value system. And so as I was trying to deal with my issues and in, in situations, I saw myself, you know, maybe having a reaction. But then I would catch myself and say, you know what, <clears throat> the, the best wisdom, what Sol- the point Solomon's making is, is if you fast forward all of that wisdom, it all leads to dead end if it's not centered on Christ. Even though it looks good and sounds good, even though at the workplace, you know, there's an implied wisdom that comes from being on the job, that leads to death, no matter how good it looks. Even if you're with your friends and everybody's really good people and they're all just, you know, you, you know, your best friends and all this stuff, all of that stuff leads to death and leads to dissatisfaction if it's not completely grounded in Christ. Or, or you know, no matter what situation you're with, even though it may feel really good. So I was just amazed yesterday at all the situations that at least I was in that, <clears throat> I mean, I was acting in an appropriate way or I was trying to all the time. But it's amazing how many situations you're around that feel good, have a good sense of, of value or wisdom, and it's just, you, you almost, it's amazing. You catch yourself and realize that if it's not completely grounded in Christ, it event, it is just the way the world thinks. And so worldly behavior is what we're talking about. Worldly wisdom, worldly values, even though they sound great, all lead to dead ends. And it's and it's the Christian behavior. It's the Christian's value. It's the having a Christ-centered heart first. That Christ-centered heart is so important to keep you uh, grounded in your behavior. And so um, I think that's, um, at least that's what I was beginning to appreciate from Ecclesiastes yesterday, just how much of our life and time is dictated by the wisdom that comes from mankind. Even though we're Christians and we're living in this world, everything around us is, um, 
our social situations and professional situations and academic situations or, you know, um, or personal situations, as I said earlier, that um, you're dealing with people or someone else who's not grounded in Christ, or maybe they are grounded in Christ, but the situ- they're not thinking about Christ right then and there. I mean, like when you're at the job and you're doing stuff, um, you know, you're dealing in the moment. And you're not thinking about Christ, you're dealing in the moment. And so it's sort of easy to get your heart off or to let the worries of the day sink in because now you're preoccupied with, with doing something on the job or dealing with uh, problems. It could be problems with children or problems with family or problems with somebody you really care about. And all of a sudden those problems take over. And these problems or situations take over your heart in a matter of a second. And so to me, it was just so, so interesting to see how easily something takes over um, our centeredness in Christ. So with that in mind, um, I'll uh, jump right in. We were, we were talking, uh, basically... Uh, McGee starts off in verse 10, and we were talking about some of this yesterday, but verse 10 again comes down to coming, it comes down to the conclusions that um, whether you're really, really um, 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 successful or whether you're really foolish, um, the wealthy and the fools all die the same way. And there's really. Um, um, a pointlessness to life because no matter what you do, <clears throat> no matter how much wealth you accumulate, no matter how successful you are, no matter how great people think of you, um, the same thing happens to the righteous <clears throat> as it does to the wicked. So he says, it's probably a better idea just to enjoy the time you have here because in a, in a few years you won't be here or no matter how wealthy and rich you are you have no idea what's going to happen to you you have no idea where you're going you know how, you have no idea when it's going to happen okay so you might as well uh just enjoy what you're doing with your hands um because once you get to the grave there's no thought knowledge or wisdom there's nothing and of course this is false uh because you know um to the to the Christian, Christ has defeated death, so there is no such thing as death in Christ. But of course, the wisdom of the world is is that <clears throat> you might as well do your best because once the grave happens, that's it. And he says, you know, down in starting in eleven, um, man doesn't know his time, just like an animal doesn't know his time. <clears throat> and the same thing that's going to happen. <clears throat> to uh, an animal as an animal gets snared up or like a fish in a net or a bird that's caught in a snare. You know, when the hunter catches him, the same thing's going to happen to man. Man doesn't really know. And um, so um, really there's a, again, there's this pointlessness. There's this dead-end road to all the, 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 um, the wisdom that you can come up with. Okay, or all of the the toils that you can you can do, all the things that you might accumulate, um, the same thing's going to happen to you, just like an animal out there that gets caught and killed. Okay, so um, again, I think that that's <clears throat> taking earthly wisdom to the extreme, taking earthly wisdom to its natural conclusion. Taking earthly wisdom for what it is, applying it to life, and living it out, and walking that road of earthly wisdoms, and finding that it it is true. There's really, again, man's wisdom. This is wisdom without God. Taking God out of the the equation, uh, really, it comes to the comes to that conclusion that you're you really don't have a a a purpose in your life beyond toiling 
for whatever you whatever food you want or uh, temporary enjoyment that you want, just like an animal with basic animal instincts is just trying to survive, and, and the people are just like that. So um, then he jumps. Uh, I'm going to jump to um, down to 14. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, um, building great stoneworks against it. Okay, so um, but uh, there was found in it. A poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. <clears throat> Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words aren't heard. Of course, he's telling a little story of how maybe um, uh, a poor wise man, if he if he knows the right thing, could save an entire city, and he's, he's sort of telling a little story of the impact of goodness. He's telling the impact of what true wisdom can do. Even if you have uh, a city full of, um, of, of people who are fools, or a city um, uh, full of people with... Um, Without wisdom, if you have a truly wise man, it doesn't matter how wealthy he is or how powerful he is. True wisdom doesn't need any of that. And the impact of one person on society can be great. Okay? It can. He can save the whole city. And one of the uh, analogies of wisdom that McGee points out that Solomon puts in here from time to time is wisdom is is Christ wisdom that comes from God God's wisdom of course is Christ Christ is the is the word the word of God is wisdom and of course Christ is the personification of that wisdom you know as is, as we've said time and time before in John chapter 1 you know in the beginning was the word the word was with God the word was God and then the word became flesh that's talking about the Word of God being Christ. So this poor wise man delivered the city. Jesus came in and, and delivered, you know, he delivered Jerusalem. He delivered the city for the people. He saved the city. Of course, they didn't know that. They didn't know he was coming to save the city. He delivered the city. But no one remembered this poor man. The poor man's wisdom is better than all the might. And the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words aren't heard. So, of course, Christ was rejected <coughs> by the city that he came came in to save. That's sort of a just a, a another parallel analogy, but it's it's also just the analogy of of this story that Solomon is telling of this of this uh, poor wise man coming in to save this city. So. Um, Anyway, it it talks about how powerful an influence of your wisdom and my wisdom can have on the city around us that we walk in. Okay, we're all we're at work. As I was discussing earlier, you know, you're at work, you're at school, um, you're at home, you're with friends, and you may not have a lot of money. You may not have a lot of power or influence. You, you may not have a lot of wealth, but it's it's interesting that God's wisdom, the wisdom from God, doesn't depend on that. You may not come from a powerful family. You may not have a lot of social status. Again, God's wisdom doesn't depend on those things either. But look at what impact your wisdom can have. Look what impact. You can, you can deliver the city. Now, you may not be remembered... You may not be uh, thought of very well, and your words may not even be heard by the city. What does all that mean? Well, sometimes the impact that you have on the city, you don't even know. Sometimes the impact you have on the people around you, you don't even know. Sometimes um, people won't remember your name But the impact that maybe people around you 
receive from your actions will impact their lives in, in ways you won't even know about. And that's amazing. And this is beginning to tie back in what I was feeling yesterday. This is just, I'm just sharing personal thoughts here. Is that, you know, you're dealing with all these people, you're dealing with all these circumstances, and you may have to deal with it in a professional way. And, you know, obviously, we're, you know, everywhere we go, we're not, um, you know, you if you're on the job, you're expected to deal as someone on the job is, you know, in whatever professional uh, behavior is expected on the job. Obviously, you have to behave as the job wants you to behave. Being a Christian does not is not we're not implying that you just go in and and start preaching everywhere you go. You know that the, probably the the job would expect you to behave in a certain way. But what it is saying is is by your behavior, your wisdom can be witnessed. Your wisdom can be seen by those around you, no matter where you are. And the wisdom starts from Christ. You know, wisdom comes from Christ. Wisdom comes from the Word of God. So you can affect those around you. You can save the city. You may not be the most powerful person or the person who's liked or the person who's um, uh, elevated, so to speak. But the words of the wise um, have more impact than that wise person uh, may, may, may perceive. Okay, but again, the wise person is so wise, he's not worried about or she's not worried about looking around to see what other people are thinking about that. So interesting, very interesting little story here about this wise person's impact. And the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words aren't even heard, but he's delivered the city. Okay, people didn't even know their know his name. People never even, uh, and, and a lot of people despised his words, but he had enough impact on the city to save it. Verse 17, the words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Do you want to have an impact on people? Do it in a quiet way. And don't get in your get yourself into a shouting match. Okay, you get yourself into a shouting match and you're now you're now in a shouting match with fools because that's how fools make their point is shouting or yelling. The words of wise heard in quiet are better than shouting. Verse 18, wisdom is better than the wep- than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. These are really good little parables here. You know, he's coming to some conclusions about the shallowness and hollowness of man's wisdom. But now <clears throat> he's getting into this little parable that has so many Christ-like parables, you know, or Christ-like examples that you just can't help looking at it, you know. That Christ, look at all the wisdom that Christ displayed. And again, back to this little parable about this, this poor wise man. But the words of, the, of Christ were given to us quietly. It wasn't in a shout-down match. Like you see on TV, people just shouting back and forth, trying to think that they're going to be wise enough to win an argument. It's just a shouting match of fools. Wisdom is better than the weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. It's saying that wisdom is incredibly powerful. <clears throat> weapons of war are very powerful. Weapons of war, the as McGee says, the atom bomb or atomic bombs or or <clears throat> uh, you know all the different weapons that you might think of. Wisdom is better than that. It'll save you more than. The others will. Wisdom will bring life. The others won't bring life. But look what one sinner can do. One sinner destroys much good. 
So just as the impact on that poor of the poor wise man had, you know, look what one sinner could do. There's a tremendous impact of sin in society. You don't have to you don't have to be wise at all. Sin can be just from a fool. It's easy. It's a lot easier to be a fool than it is a wise man. And if you had that, if you whether if you if you could be the poor wise man to deliver the city, <clears throat> or all the good that happens, all it takes is a sinner to destroy all the good that is done. So yes, you have influence. Yes, you have tremendous influence. Just like the poor wise man, just one poor wise man saved the city. But it might it wasn't through a shouting match. It wasn't through elevated words. As a matter of fact, no one even remembered the poor wise man because the poor wise man, it wasn't his reputation that saved the city. It wasn't his good name that saved the city because nobody even remembered his name. And it wasn't his being loved and being well thought of or being accepted by people. The poor wise man was rejected everywhere he went or he was despised. And his words weren't even heard sometimes. But yet the poor wise man saved the city. Look at the impact you can have on the city you walk in. So don't depend on people's acceptance of you or the group's acceptance of your behavior. Your behavior might be just what they need to look at, even though they don't say anything. You might, your behavior might save someone around you and you never get any thanks or adulation for it. So don't depend on it, just like that poor wise man. And if you're thinking about who cares, the sin in your life, <clears throat> if you don't think it's important to deal with, one sin can destroy so much good, one sinner. So you can have amazing impact on people around you. Verse uh, Chapter 10, verse 1. Uh, did, now, we're also sort of looking at the impact of fools and foolishness here. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Look how much harm a little bit of sin, a little bit of folly does to wisdom. You can have so much wisdom and honor that is, is accumulated Okay, but it's just like a dead fly in the ointment. It destroys all the good of the ointment. It destroys all the good of all the wisdom that comes around. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. The right and the left were always sort of, uh, in the Old Testament, the right hand was usually the stronger hand. More, more people were right-handed, I suppose. Then uh, the, They always said the left was the left hand was weaker. So the right was supposed to be stronger. Um, so the fool, you know, is definitely in the opposite direction of the wise as it takes your heart. So, <clears throat> so again, we're, we're always talking about keeping your heart centered on Christ. Okay, so um, here's another analogy of the heart itself. Okay, keeping your heart centered. And when I say centered, I mean, you don't go to the right or to the left. You know, that's, that's an analogy of being centered. And in this Old Testament analogy, keeping your heart to the right um, would, and not move any from the right, you know, not, not move any to the left. So that's another analogy of having your heart set to the right. Verse uh, 3, even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he's a fool. Every time he opens his mouth and talks to people, people know it. <clears throat> if you don't understand that, it's just a, another way of saying people listen to what you say, or they're watching what you say, and they judge you by what you say. And if, you're, if you sound like a fool, they judge you like you're a fool. <clears throat> So, verse 4, if the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay 
great offenses to rest. <clears throat> so that sounds really good. Calmness will lay great offenses to rest if anger of the ruler rises against you. Now, when I look at this, I I look at this as um, um, uh, a a a a sort of a wise, almost like a mini parable here, um, that calmness does lay off great offenses. <clears throat> McGee kind of looks at this as wisdom coming from the world. You know, worldly thinking is that, well, if you can't beat them, join them, you know, kind of thing. Uh, if somebody is coming against you, you might as well just be calm, okay, because that'll calm them down. And so I'm not sure if this is supposed to be worldly wisdom here or godly wisdom. Um, all of these things, I think, in verse in chapter 10 are conclusionary things as I read this text. And as I'm looking at my my uh, study materials here, uh, so I would say that um, these are um, uh, godly um, uh, proverb type of things. These are wis- little nuggets of wisdom. It is better to be calm. Uh, of course, the world might say stay calm too, but it's got to be within the context of of being grounded in wisdom that comes from from God. So, um, verse 5, There's an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and prints walking on the ground like slaves. And McGee points out that this is a problem even in our societies today. And, of course, Solomon was seeing it and uh, in his society, and he was sort of projecting that it's sort of a, na- a nature of man thing, is that when people's folly gets to a certain point, um, society just tends to elevate the folly, maybe because it's interesting or maybe because it gets people's attention, but um, folly and sinful living, and <clears throat> it seems like the more and more extravagant you get, people tend to elevate that up and give it positions of dignity or give it the position of wisdom. Okay? So that the ordinary person who is uh, trying to live a Christ like life um, don't ever get the celebrity. Okay, and so we're sort of living in this uh, uh, time of celebrities, and so this celebratory status, this celebration status. Now they even come up with a name for it. They call it celebrities. Okay, people we just celebrate, people we hold up in society that we just uh, we normally would have. celebrated these people if they were true good or true wise people, but that's so ordinary and boring, we want to celebrate the extravagant, okay? So now we have fools uh, set in high places. And the rich, not not so much the rich, it's just the the people who have wealth or the people who are rich in spirit um, are basically in low places because they don't really get celebrated, like the fools do. And so again, talking about behavior of fools, verse 8, he who digs a pit will fall into it. A serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. So if you, if this is describing different ways to live now, if you, if you work on digging in a pit, you're, you're likely going to fall in your pit. If you live by sin, you'll more than likely get hurt by the sin that you that you're trying to commit. He who quarries stones is hurt by them. If you work down in the stone quarry, you're probably going to get hurt by stones in the stone quarry. He who splits logs is in danger by them. If you work splitting logs, you'll you run the risk of getting hurt by the logs that you're working on. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom 
helps one to succeed. If you're working with an axe and you're trying to chop a lot of wood, you know, you're going to work a lot harder at it if you're not smart, if you're not wise. But wisdom is like sharpening the edge of that axe so that you can be much more successful and chop many more trees with a sharp edge than you will a dull edge. So, again, it's talking about um, the impact of foolishness in your life, uh, in your heart, in your speech, um, as you impact those around you. Uh, and it starts off with this beautiful little story of this poor wise man and his impact on the city. So I hope this is in, in, insightful to you, and I hope this encourages you in your um, in your walk through Ecclesiastes with us. I think this is one of my most favorite little sections of Ecclesiastes, and it's really beginning to affect, uh, I must confess, it's beginning to help me uh, just sort of see the impact of of the godless society that we work that we work in that we play in that we are living in and all that uh, um worldly thinking that just bombards our hearts every day um it just it just redirects um i think it can redirect our hearts into into uh understanding that we can be like the poor wise man and we can have this amazing impact on everyone around us, even though um, we're not being acknowledged for it, or um, we're not elevated for it, or celebrated for it, um, and uh, we can have that impact. So um, again, just a call to keep your heart centered on Christ, um, and uh, keep your speech centered uh, on on on, on Christ like. Uh, speech um, and keep our um, keep our uh, perspective that as the poor wise man we may not be acknowledged for what we for what we think or say or do but but surely um, Christ's wisdom will um, will really be the only the only will be the only thing standing when all the worldly wisdom comes to a conclusion. So from me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ, and I'll see you next time. And now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, hope you're doing good, and so glad it's Friday. So we'll see what you have to say about this one, and uh, we'll see you next week. Take care now. Bye-bye. Hello, so today's teaching is coming from Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 10 through to all the way through to verse 18 and Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verses 1 through to 10. So we're going back a few steps um, to verse 10. That's where we're going to start from because last time we ended at verse 14. So now we'll go just a little bit back. Um, to just recapture um, verse 10 through to verse 14. So, um, you know, in chapter 9, um, it looks at the pessimistic um, viewpoint of a man living under the sun without God. So uh, this is a, a side of philosophy um, of man under the sun where he feels he can get by in life without God based on morality and doing good. So, um, you know, you know, we're all going to, to arrive at the same place. This is his thinking. Um, and, you know, all of us will be saved. That's the conclusion um, from verse uh, 10, which reads, Whatever your hand finds uh, to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave um, where you are going. So this, 
man is simply concluding, work hard because, you know, at the end of the day, when you go to the grave, you're dead. You know, like you die and that's it. So, you know, if we look at what Paul said, Paul said, absent from the body, but present with Christ. You know, our souls are taken. Our, like um, the spirit in the soul is taken back to the creator. So we may be dead. We may go back to dirt, but that's just the body. But um, here, the conclusion of this experiment that Solomon did, um, he concluded that... Um, you know, when you die, you die. So, you know, whatever you do right now, work hard and just do it with all your might. That was the conclusion. So um, this was a type of philosophy where, um, um, where man is not in the presence of God. So, um, you know, it goes on to say, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not for the swift, nor the battle for the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happens to all. So um, here, <clears throat> Solomon's conclusion is it's, it's just about, about a, a matter of time and chance that that's it. Um, and this has been quoted by many atheists. You know, they get out this particular chapter without reading the whole uh, book of Ecclesiastes and say, you know, and they say, you know, um, the race is not for the swift. You know, uh, life is unfair. So, you know, like take what's yours. Um, if you can't beat them, join them. Um, kind of like mentality so verse 12 goes on to read for man also does not know his time like fish taken in a cruel net like birds caught in a snare so the sons of men are snared in an evil time when it falls suddenly upon them so it says you know um live it up right now because you're gonna die anyways that's what that's the conclusion of this particular verse so this is the wisdom i have also seen under the sun and it seemed great to me so this is an experiment that um uh, Solomon tried out. So verse 14 goes on to read, there was a little city with few men in it and a great king came against it, besieged it and built great snares around it. So, um, you know, this is, um, this, this talks about like minority groups, you know, the oppressed, the downtrodden on, you know, where, um, man just feels he can solve all of, you know, life's problems, um, on his own without God. You know, they feel like, oh, hey, I'm going to talk. I'm going to be a lobbyist. I'm going to talk for all the all the poor, the, 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 the people who are treated unjustly and all. And you feel like, oh, hey, I am protecting these people without involving God in it. So um, verse 15 goes on to read. <clears throat> now there was found in it a poor wise man and by and he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. So, um Solomon here is saying the poor man um, was wisdom and wisdom is Christ. Christ is wisdom that was made unto us. So, um, you know, Christ has been made to us um, wisdom. So this was the poor man. And uh, verse dropping down to um, scripture in verse 16. Then I said, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised and the words are not heard. Words of the wise man spoken quietly should be heard rather than the shout of um, a ruler of fools. So here, um, you know, the voice of the Lord will always prevail. Um, you know, it's that quiet little voice that we always hear. Um, you know, the loud ranting that you're always hearing. This is um, somebody who rumbles on, who's, who's, who, who's just going on and on rumbling. They don't even know you know, their brain and their mouth is not coordinating. That's like a fool who just rumbles on and feels they're actually wise so verse 18 goes on to read wisdom is better than weapons of war but one sinner destroys much good so um the conclusion here is um you know for all of chap this chapter chapter nine um the influence of one person is more potent if it's um an evil lie so look at hitler for in for instance um you know because he felt um we like I want a perfect nature. I want a perfect nation with perfect people, perfect looking people. And, you know, this is just one evil man who decided, you know, to carry out, you know, mass genocide and, you know, um, exterminate um, a particular group of people. So this is just, um, you know, like the potency of just, you know, the, the, the evilness of just one man um, who can who can actually um, destroy a lot of good. Um, here's a practical example. Say you're eating peanuts in a bag. And, you know, oh, the peanuts are all, like, really great. You know, you can have, like, 
you know, you, you can have like um, so many peanuts in your mouth, but the minute you put one rotten peanut in your in your mouth, it just destroys everything, the whole taste and all, everything just goes bad. So this is a practical example that you give, you know, just one rotten person, one evil person um, can destroy so much. So, you know, there is no weapon in the world um, that is better, um, that is, um, that is better than wisdom. So, um, you know, there's so many examples, um, you know, say for example, you know, um, when man discovered the atomic bomb and look, look at what it did, Hiroshima, Nagasaki, look at what it did to so many nations. And, uh, you know, Rehoboam is another example of one evil person, you know, the sins of, um, Aninus and Safara. So, um, you know, you and I can, can, can have a place of influence, can occupy a place of in influence. You and I, um, you know, everyone here was meant to be a preacher. You know, in as much as you're saying, oh, yay, hey, no, I'm not a good public speaker and all, but you are an influence, you and me. I am an influence in someone else's life. I'm going to have children one day, um, and those children will look up to me as a role model. So I am an influence. I am a preacher. So what I impart on um, my children um, today will matter a lot in the upbringing of their um of their lives, um, how they will grow up as citizens in society. So, um, you know, in as much as we say, oh, hey, I can't stand up in trying to in church and actually preach, but you and I are preachers. So um, a do-gooder blocks God in his life because they just believe they can make it to heaven on their own. They do not need God. They just need to do good works. So, um, you know, life without God um, it is you know you're not getting anywhere and they believe that um you know their good deeds can save them um you know they there's there's um but just don't forget there is someone following in our footsteps there's someone who's always going to follow our footsteps there's someone who's always going to listen to our advice so you know how you live your life today will determine your eternity like um are you banking on just living in the middle way of life just going with the flow with the wind going with the crowd uh, and saying oh hey i'll get by and do good the few good deeds that i'm going to do or all the good deeds that i'm going to do like you know you may have like a huge amount of wealth and all and you know you give it to charity you do all these things but the fact that if you don't have god in your heart if you don't have christ in your heart uh you're not going to be saved your good deeds are not going to save you at all so moving on to chapter 10 um, chapter 10 reads, dead flies, sorry, verse 1, chapter 10 reads, dead flies um, putrefy the perfumer's ointment and cause it to give a foul odor. So does um, a little folly to one respected of, for wisdom and honor. So here, um, you know, in other words, it means, you know, you might, um, you know, one night out on the town, you're like thinking, oh, hey, you know, what's a little... What's a little fun going to do? Like, what's a little, like, a little fun wouldn't hurt. Um, just a little fun. But guess what? Um, you're going to have a lifetime of payment um, in future. You know, you can't say, oh, what's a little sin going to do? Um, you know, say, for example, you go out on a night on the town or you decide to commit, um, you know, a fornication and you're saying, oh, you know, what's a little sin actually going to do? You're going to actually see the fruits of your sin. Um, later on in life, it may not be today or tomorrow, but it's, sh you know, you shall surely actually see it. So, you know, um, scripture says you shall reap what you sowed. So if you sow sin, you shall reap sin. Um, so, you know, um, a little foolishness is all it takes for you to actually have, um, you know, pay back a lifetime of, 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 of whatever you actually did. Um, so, um, verse two goes on to read, um, a wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is, uh, but a fool's heart at his left. So in other words, it says, you know, whatever you do with your hand, don't do it reluctantly. If you do something for God, do it with excitement. You know, don't do something like, oh, you know, what? <clears throat> I'm only doing this because, <clears throat> I have to do it or for show, you know, do it with excitement, with contentment, do it because you want to do it. You know, Christ knows what's in our hearts. He knows us even before we were born or conceived. So, um, if you feel you can mock and cheat God, you're just mocking and cheating yourself. 
Um, so, you know, don't do things reluctantly for Christ. Do it with excitement. Do it with, he's our creator. You know, be excited about it. Um, you know, because Christ created us and he, he you know, like, if we live um, in him, if we have a mind like Christ, only then we will have that joy we seek, that satisfaction. He's the only one who can satisfy our heart's desires. So verse 3 goes on to read, Even when a fool walks um, alone, oh, sorry, even when a fool walks along the way, he lacks wisdom and he shows everyone that he is a fool. So, um, you know, whatever... Um, you know, no, like no one carries a placard around saying, um, you know, I am a fool. No. Um, all you have to do, you know, all, all a fool has to do is open their mouth and you know, okay, that person is, uh, you know, uh, not that much there. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's what comes out of the fool's mouth, you know, um, but, you know, we're not to call a man a fool, but I mean, the Bible says, you know, um, a fool. You can tell a fool in the road, you know, just, just by, you know, for them, just by opening a mouth. Sometimes, you know, you're supposed to, um, you know, like uh, Pastor J.V. McGee was saying it when we were in the book of, <clears throat> in the book of Psalms, um, sailor, you know, um, pause, look and listen. Uh, you know, it's like you reach a crossroads and, you know, you look right, you stop, you look right, you look left, you look right again and then you cross. So, you know, in life, it always pays to listen. You know, it's not about you talking and showing, you know, like, oh, hey, this is how knowledgeable I am and all. So, um, verse 4 goes on to read, If the spirit of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your post, for conciliation pacifies great offenses. So, um, if the spirit of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your post for conciliation pacifies great offenses. So verse four talks about um, if you can't fight, um, if you can't fight um, at, you know, like um, at, at, at all, then um, join them. This is um, this is like a conclusion that was under the sun. If you can't fight them, join them. Um, but the thing is, let the Lord fight all your battles for you. Um, you cannot be a do-gooder and just go with the wind saying, oh, hey, look, if I can't fight the system, they're corrupt and oh, I might as well join them. You're as, you know, you're just as bad as they are. So um, verse five and six go on to read, there is an evil I have seen under the sun as an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in great dignity while the rich sit on a, uh, in a lowly place. So, um, you know, today, Sin has been given great dignity. If, if we just look at our generation today, it's rotten to the core. It's sad. You know, things that are not supposed to look fine are made, are glorified and made to look great, like they're in fashion. Um, so if, if, like, say, for example, um, if you watch TV today, the immorality that's on TV, the kind of, the nudity that's on TV, if you look at Hollywood today, it's glorified and made to look, um, you know, with so much dignity, you know, so much prominence is given to, um, you know, um, sin today. So, um, you know, all this is sin. You know, what we see on TV, you know, folly is set in great dignity and the rich are set in a lowly place. So, um, you know, the rich, despite, you know, no one calls them out. No one wants to be a square because everyone is like, oh, hey, no, because I don't want to step on anyone's toes and all. You know, no one calls anybody out. This is why we have so much trash TV. And this is why we have so much trash music. This is why our generation is rotten to the core. If we, if you look at us, the young generation today, you know, it's, 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 you know, there's so much immorality and it's, it's made to just look okay. Like, oh no, this is the norm in society today. You know, if you look at what is going on today, um, you know, um, things like, um, gayism, you know, they, they're becoming the norm in society accepted like, oh, Hey, you know, they, they're humans too. You know, like, um, they deserve equal rights like all of us and no one is speaking against it which is just wrong. Um, society has just gone to the dogs. Like morality is thrown out of the window and immorality is dignified today because, um, because of the, libera the liberalism um, of it all. Because um, you speak against something, you tend to offend a certain sect or group of people. Verse 7 goes on to read, um, I have seen servants on horses while princes walk on the ground like servants. So um, in the conclusion here was work hard, um, so your, um, money does not, 
mean, um, you know, if you work hard, it doesn't mean your money will become, it doesn't mean you're going to become a success. Um, you know, a fool may win in, um, in the lottery today. You know, this is today's, like, this is today's life. Like, this is today's, um, um, perspective on, in life. Like, people just don't want to work hard because they want the easy way out. They want, um, you know, they just want to win the lottery. You know, they, they, they want something for nothing. So, you know, this was Solomon's conclusion. Um, like, if, even if you work hard, you know, what's the point? So verse 8 goes on to read, um, He who digs a pit will fall into it, and whoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by a serpent. So here, um, if you think you can sin and, 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 and get by with it, and... Um, and uh, you're a child of God, then you are just, you, you're foolish. Like, you're foolish to actually think, oh, hey, because God forgave me for my sins. And, you know, I'm a child of God. I go to church every Sunday and, you know, I, I, I do this. You know, I, you, you know, you go through all these religious rituals and all. And, um, and um, you know, you think, oh, you can get by. Oh, hey, um, you know, it's just a little sin. Or, you know, um, you know I can get by with this, you know. The time is coming, um, you know, when the chicks will be brought to roost, when God will bring you to take you to the woodshed and you will have to explain, um, you know, you have to give account for everything you did. You have to explain yourself um, for, um, you know, the sins that you actually committed. Verse nine goes on to read, he who... Um, Quarries stones may be hurt with by them, and he who splits wood may be endangered by it. So here, um, you know, um, it talks about like in in Deuteronomy, um, um, the stones in the Old Testament, you know, were um, you know were markers for property. You know, like um, they had put up stones to to mark, like okay, this property is for Mister A, B, and C. The other property is for Mister D, C. Um, you know, D, F, and G, and and things like that. So, um, so um, you know, what you sow today, um, you shall reap. So, um, don't be vengeful. You know, leave vengeance to the Lord. So this is basically what this is saying. You know, let me read through this again. It says, he who quarries stones may be hurt by them. And he who splits wood may be uh, endangered by it. So, you know, in other words, it says, you know, um, leave vengeance for the Lord. Um, because somebody else, um, you know, did you wrong or somebody else, you know, um, you know, cheated you out of something and you decide to, to actually take vengeance. You decide to take everything in your own hand. Leave vengeance for the Lord. Vengeance is for the Lord. The Bible says so. So verse 10 goes on to read, If an axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength, but wisdom brings success. So this means, you know, if a hole is, um, you know, if a hole or an axe gets dull, um, you know, um, you have to sharpen it in order to make your life easier. Um, you know, sharpen your sword, you know, like today, like every day, how are you going to sharpen your sword as Christians? You know, how are you going to sharpen your axe as Christians? Um, you all can only do that by studying the word of God. Um, because the word of God, if you study the word of God, you gain knowledge from the word of God, you know, study the word of God every day. Every day is a learning experience. You can always learn something new every day from the word of God. This is the only, the Bible is the only place where you can get the knowledge and wisdom that you actually, um, require to, 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 to grow and, you know, to fight the battles. Um, how, Will you know if you're doing something that you're not supposed to be doing if you don't study the word of God? Sharpen your knowledge. This is what this is saying. Um, you know, don't go out there untrained. You know, um, and the only the best training, the only training you can get is, you know, studying the word of God. Um, going to, um, you know, a Bible-believing church and growing, um, joining a family, you know, growing in, in Christ um, with um, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow Christians. So um, sharpen your sword today. And that's the only way you're going to actually grow um, in, 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 um, in the word of God. So yeah, um, 
this was today's teaching very good teachings very good pointers um you know from chapter nine um where the conclusion of um the pessimistic uh viewpoint this um the side of philosophy of man under the sun life without god um you know where 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 solomon made his conclusions as in um you know, we're all going to arrive at the same place, whether you're rich, poor, sinner, whether you've lived a good life, a great life, you've lived it up, um, or whether, you know, you, uh, you let, you led a righteous life. He came to the, like, that was the conclusion of his pessimistic way of thinking. Like, um, you know, it's all vanity. Um, uh, if you exclude God out of the equation of your life today and, um, he made some, um, in chapter 10, there were some pretty good pointers, um, um, in life of, um, you know, a foolish man, you can tell a foolish man just by them walking the streets, they don't have to hold up a placard, um, saying I am a fool. And, um, you know, the fact that today sin has been given a great dignity, it's been given a high chair in our society and it's been made to look like, oh, it's okay to live a certain life the way it is. And then the encouragement is to sharpen the sword our sword to sharpen the word of God and Christ in our lives today. Thank you all for listening in. Have a happy, happy Friday. God bless and goodbye.